Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome everybody to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, we talk about four different types of freedom, time, financial, location, health freedom. In that light, I'm always interviewing influencers, people doing things on the cutting edge and sharing those insights with you. So today we have a um, special guest. His name is Scott Mater, and he helps clients master their time, talent, and treasures so that they can live out their calling. So we're going to, he's also the host of Inspired Stewardship. So today is going to be talking about productivity, time management, communication with DISC, which is going to be really interesting. And, um, living out your best life. So, um, Scott, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Happy to talk to you and your listeners today. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to see what 2023. And uh, so tell us more about yourself, what you do, and uh, we'll get, we'll, we'll go from there. Sure. So I was a, I was a school teacher for 16 years. I actually uh, went to school to do medical research. Um, I have a degree in biochemistry and a second degree in genetics. Uh, worked in a lab, did research work, doing all of that stuff and figured out that I hated it. Um, <laughs> so uh, it, it turns out that research work involves a lot of going after money as opposed to actually doing research, which shocked me at the time. Um, but grant writing turns out to be a full-time job. So I left that after a few years, uh, went into school teaching, became a public school teacher, did that for 16 years. Um, and then in the words of my students, I joined the dark side. I, I left teaching and uh, worked in the assessment industry. Short answer, I wrote tests for a living. Um, so I would do state-based testing, California, Maryland, Tennessee, all over. Uh, became a road warrior, did a lot of contract work, a lot of on planes, got to see a lot of airports, a lot of hotel rooms, a lot of conference rooms. Uh, after 11 years, I'd kind of worked myself up to senior management there, uh, highly compensated executive employee, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And in the meantime, I had started a coaching business on the side around this idea. I originally started with financial coaching, helping people get their money in order. And then I figured out real quickly that a lot of times it wasn't just money, it was also time. And so I started doing money and productivity because it turns out a lot of the thinking, a lot of the processes, a lot of the, the mindsets around those two areas are similar. They're finite resources, how we handle them. So my joke is, you said it at the beginning, I, I help people master their time, their talent, and their treasures so that they can live out their calling. Uh, people come for help with time or they come for help with money, 
but we actually only work on talent because at the end of the day, how you handle your time or how you handle your money, it's all about how you handle yourself. Uh, that's really the key. And so that's where all the disc and all the leadership and all of that came about. Started a coaching business on the side, uh, left the executive position back in 2017 and launched my own coaching business full-time. And I've been doing that as my full-time business ever since. Yeah. Awesome. So it sounds like you have quite a, so you, you know, you've done so many uh, various um, roles, uh, especially, you know, and um, which is very fascinating. One thing I will talk about is um, this idea of um, DISC and uh, communication. And so tell us what DISC is and how, how can people use it? Sure. So, and it shows up in my coaching in that there's a lot of tools out there that we use that people get really frustrated with because at the end of the day, you know, it's like somebody tells them, this is what works for me. And then they try it and they're like, this doesn't work. And part of that is because we're wired differently. And so, you know, there's a lot of different systems out there. There's Enneagram and Myers-Briggs and DISC and, you know, 50,000 different ones. And they all kind of have the same idea, which is we're wired differently. We're designed and built and wired in a certain way. And how we see the world, how we communicate, how we interact with the world, in part comes through that wiring. None of the systems are perfect. <laughs> None of the systems, you know, we're more complex than any model could ever give us. But I like this because it's a relatively simple model. It's relatively easy to understand. So it's relatively easy to kind of hold in your head. And it gives you a fairly good insight both into ourselves as well as to others and how we communicate, how we interact, how we see the world. And so real quickly, uh, and I won't go into a ton of detail, but the DISC is D-I. All of us are some level of blend of all four of those letters, those types. So you'll see a lot of times that they'll say, oh, I'm a D. Well, usually you're not just a D or just an I or just an S or just a C. You're some blend of all of them. But D may be your dominant type. So, And D actually stands for dominant. So these people are direct. They tend to be results-oriented. A lot of physicians have a high D uh, type as at least part of their component. They tend to make decisions quickly. They tend to act very well. And in fact, you know, if you've got a surgeon working on you, you kind of want somebody that does that. You know, you don't want someone that sits around and go, I don't know what we should do. You kind of want them to move and, and get results and be directed. So it's a good thing. It's usually about 10% of the population. If I walked into a room of a million people, you know, roughly 10% of them kind of have that high D component. I is the inspirational folks. These are a party waiting for a place to happen. Uh, they tend to be, look at the world through the lens of fun and engagement and energy and they're they're a blast to be around uh these are the you know the, the d's when they left the home their parents were like oh thank goodness we got our home back when the eyes left the home the the parents were like oh all the fun left you know where did they go you know, the party left and that's kind of that kind of personality and again none of these are good none of these are bad there is no value judgment on it it's just kind of how we see the world and again we're all a blend so you may have a d and an i you know you may be able to act through both of those s is the supporter so they tend to be the the nicest people on the planet that's actually also the one that's the most common so if i have to guess if i don't know i usually start talking to someone as if they're an s and then kind of work from there to figure out the rest of it so supporters tend to be very much about peace and harmony. They like the status quo. They don't like change. They don't like conflict. 
Um, they don't like loud people. So you'll notice I'm talking <laughs> a little quieter right now because I'm you know, talking to the S's. They're, they're that kind of personality. Yeah. And then your C, the last one, D-I-S-C, the C is the cautious type. They tend to be perfectionist. They yeah. tend to be very knowledge driven. Um, they tend to be very much about you know, rules and steps and procedures and checklists. And again, you see a lot of that show up also in the medical field. Um, you know, all of these could show up, but they'll show up in different blends in different careers and in different things. And then what I realized is because we're wired differently, you know, like for instance, most productivity systems are written for C type people. Well, if you're not a C type person, it doesn't work as well for you because you're kind of trying to, it's like you speak German and the system's written in French, you know, and you're kind of trying to apply it in a different way. And so that's kind of where the DIS study showed up in the work that I do around time and money and, and how I work with people on communication and their understanding. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating because um, it's like, there's so many um, different tests and assessments and um, you know, there's, it depends on how it fits into your organization or, uh, your employees um, and how you use it. So it's fascinating. You can take different um, components to tailor it to uh, your your company and your business. So well, and uh, it helps you with both both where you're through employees, but also with your clientele. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons that I work with a lot of small business owners on understanding DISC is because you know, if again, if you're like the leader of your company and you have a particular personality type, but your employees have a different type you if you don't understand how they see the world and how they communicate then when we're talking to them again it's like you know i'm yelling at them in german and they're going i don't speak german <laughs> you know i, I want to do what you're telling me to do but i have no idea what you're telling me to do and yet we don't recognize that because we see the world a certain way therefore everyone must see the world the way i see it right i mean yeah. obviously and yet obviously that's not true so it extends to clients it extends to family marriage um all of those things yeah and uh, a follow-up question is how can you use this to find out just not how to communicate but understand others so that you can lead others well sure so it's it's you know again i'll it starts with understanding them. So we we all think about you've heard the golden rule right do unto others as i want them to do unto me I actually don't like that rule. I like the platinum rule. And the platinum rule is do unto others as they wish to be done upon. So meaning understand others and how they want to see the world and how they want to understand it. So example, I'm a boss and maybe I'm a high D kind of, of mentality, which by the way, I do have a, a high D. And I tend to want to get results and, and move quickly and, and make quick decisions. But perhaps one of the people that works in my office is a high S. I need to understand that when I walk into the meeting and start going, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. And let's, this is what we're going to do. And blah, 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 blah. I'm scaring them. I'm literally frightening them. There, there's fear inside of them because this feels like conflict. It feels like change. It feels scary. But if I'll slow down and go, you know, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. Here's how this supports the team. Here's how this we're going to make sure that everyone's taken care of. We're going to make sure that you know all of the pieces are in place so that nobody's left behind. They're going to be on board 110% and they're going to be a champion to make whatever initiative you're putting forward happen because you're speaking to them in the language and addressing their concerns and their worries before they've even expressed them. 
So it's, it can be tone of voice. You know, you'll, again, you'll notice every time I start talking, like I'm talking to an S, I immediately lower my tone of voice. I'm talking a little slower, talking a little calmer, because that's literally what I do, <laughs> you know, when I'm talking to somebody that I've picked up on the fact that, huh, they probably got this S going on. Let me, let me calm down a little bit because my natural speed is like 110 miles an hour. So I have to very deliberately try to begin to slow down and talk a little calmer, talk a little so softer and that kind of thing. And again, you can do this with all of the components. Um, so, you know, if it's an I type personality, how can you make it fun? How can you make it more engaging? If it's a C, make sure you're giving them all of the information, all of the details, all of the steps, you know, all of the explanation. If it's a, a D, make sure that you're tying it to results and making sure that they understand how this is going to you know, work in terms of in terms of results, not in terms of of the how it's going to work. The the why that's a C, more of a you know this is where you get <laughs> the results that you're after. This is how it's going to make you look good. This is how you're going to succeed. This is how you're going to win, so to speak. Um, not necessarily in competitive way, but this is how how it's going to come together for you. Yeah, very. Uh... What the other thing is, um, so you've been. Uh, what's interesting is I, I envision you. You're as a you're as a consultant, and you're uh, fulfilling these different roles. Um, you know, based on your experience, especially in education and teaching. Um, so one question that the audience has is, you know, a lot of them they went through the, you know, all the footsteps and everything. You know, the hoops, and they 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 come to this end, and they're like, oh, this is not what I want. So how can people identify their calling? Sure. So it's a, there's a process to it. And, and first off, I want to separate the idea of your assignment from your calling. So an assignment is what are you doing at this moment? I was a school teacher. That was my assignment at that moment. That's very different than my calling, which my real calling at its root is helping people succeed in their life. That's what you know jazzes me that's what whenever i have that happening i feel fulfilled i feel complete i feel like i'm doing what i was put on this planet to do you know everything lights up but how i express that can be different in different assignments throughout my life so mm -hmm. i think a lot of times we we equate calling with career yeah. In, in terms of what we do. And, and it's not, it's more of the why behind the, what we do. Mm. It's the why, not the how. So wow. I think that's important to realize, but in exploring that it, it's really kind of a multi, it's, it's a multi-part process. So the first part is look backwards. So I actually have an exercise I do with folks where we go through and there's a lot of questions to it, but I'll kind of touch on it. The basic idea is look backwards and think about all of the things you've done, all of the careers you've had, all of the hobbies you've had, all of the activities you do, and look for the things that you loved, look hmm. for the things that you maybe didn't like quite as much, you know, maybe even hated, <laughs> you know, look for, and, and you're kind of looking for the patterns in this, because a lot of times what you'll find is, you know, when I was a teacher, here's what I loved about being a teacher. And here's what I didn't love about being a teacher. When I was an executive, here's what I loved about being an executive. Here's what I didn't love. And even though they're two very different rule, you know, different roles, different activities, there's still patterns to what I loved and what I didn't love. So that's looking backwards. And then you want to turn and look forwards. And so my favorite question for this is, is this one. 
imagine that you were walking through an airport and you suddenly discovered your, your plane is delayed. You're going to have about a four or five hour layover at, that you weren't expecting. And you're like, eh, well, I'll just go grab a bite to eat and, you know, get a, a, a drink and whatever and just hang out for a little while. And as you walk into the restaurant, a friend of yours that you haven't seen for five years says, Christopher, I haven't seen you in so long. It's great to see you. And you say, oh, it's great to see you. I didn't expect to run into you here. Do you got a minute? And they're like, well, yeah, I've got a layover, you know, about five hours. And you're like, I'm here for four. Let's sit down and get a bite to eat and catch up, you know? I mean, why not, right? <laughs> and you sit down at the table together and your friend looks at you and goes, how is it, how have you been? And you look at him and you go, you know what? The last five years have been the best five years of my life because your job is to tell me what comes after the word because. You're asking. What? Well, I mean, you can do it, but this is, you know, this is part of identifying your calling is asking that question. So what does for you, what would come after that word? Because so if you're five years in the future and this last five years have been the best five years of your life, why? Uh, I grew my business, uh, helped, you know, thousands of people. You leveraged my gifts, you know, grew, uh, had, you know, had loving relationships with my family and spouse, healthy. Mm -hmm. And so as a coach, what I would do now is I would start asking you questions. So like, for instance, you said, you know, I grew my business. What does that mean? What does growing your business look like? Tell me more. You know, tell me more is my favorite question, right? Tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> so basically, we'd unpack that and we'd start writing and, and developing a story and a narrative so deep and so visceral that when you looked at it, it's like you could almost feel that it's real. You know, you could taste it, you could smell it, you could look at it and go, yeah, this is this is real. Because here's the thing. If you look at those patterns of looking backwards and then looking forward and really dreaming, by the way, most people are really bad at this. We tend to write things that are like, well, you know, I, I don't know. I kind of hope this maybe will, you know, we tend to be limiting ourselves. I'm yeah. really saying open up and dream and what really would make it worth this last five years have been the best five years ever. And then from that, looking at those patterns, you can usually start to identify what are the things that drive you and regardless of what career or job or assignment or business or whatever you're doing, they're the things that drive everything you do. And that to me is what, what a real calling is if that makes sense. Yeah, it's quite interesting. And, um, you know, it kind of reminds me um, this idea where it's like, for example, people, you know, pursue, for example, people go into medicine because, you know, their parents push them into it and, you know, they're doing it, it for a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, especially immigrant first generation, or they chase it because of the status or the money. And then they realize, you realize you can get the same thing from, you know, public speaking, writing, you know, investing you know different things so it's it's kind of like the the means don't justify the 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 end so right um, yeah, yeah if all you're driven by is like for instance money and i mean you know we use that one because a lot of people <laughs> get it you know i, I want you to you know it, it's not there's nothing wrong with making money but if all you're doing is making money to make money <laughs> it's kind of like why you know where if if there's a purpose behind it if there's a mission behind it if there's a a, a feeling behind an emotion because otherwise you'll never have enough. I mean, 
if it's just about money, well, you know, I've got a million now I want two. you know, I've got 10 now I want 20, you know, it, it's, there's no end to it. Yeah. Uh, there's no sense of contentment and you can be driven and want more and be content at the same time. Yeah. You know, where that's not the same as that sense of, of loss or sense of, you know, I'm just doing this because, you know, again, I'd hate to go to the doctor who's only a doctor because their mama wanted them to be, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's, I don't, I don't want to go see that doctor. <laughs> you know, I want to go to the doctor. That's a doctor because they feel like this is really how they express who they are. Yeah. And, and, you know, that, cause that's the doctor that actually cares at a level that, that goes beyond just the medicine yeah. of, of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then one thing, oh, you know, this is a really topic about, you know, your calling. And one thing is one thing that clients usually talk about is they train, how to transition from a job that you hate to a calling that you love. I know it's a process some people can do it in six months some people take years tell you how what's the best way <laughs> so the first best way to realize is there is no one best way it, seriously i mean because i think a lot of times that's actually part of what holds us back is we start thinking about well how can i do this in a way that works perfectly let me cue you you can't okay there is no perfect solution it's a process not an event it's about progress not perfect this isn't a single uh, you know one size fits all everyone does it this way and that's how it works so i know people that have gone you know cold turkey jump off the cliff i just i quit my job and this is what i'm doing don't necessarily recommend that but i know people that have done that and succeeded i tend to be more conservative than that. So I want to make sure that there's a little bit of a financial runway and you've got some things in place, but it really comes back to, you know, again, identify where you want to go. Cause just like in GPS, if, if you don't know, GPS works by you type in the destination, it goes and puts a pin on the destination and then it maps backwards to where you are. We kind of have to do the same thing with our life. We have to kind of go, okay, this is the direction I want to go. This is the destination I'm aiming towards. Probably don't have it fully formed yet. Don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but that direction, you know, I know it's over there. I don't want to be this anymore. I want to move toward, you know, I don't want to be a doctor. I want to move towards opening a coffee shop. I just made something up. I have no idea. Um, but you know, I literally have somebody that did that transition of going from a doctor to running a coffee shop and loves it you know, then, okay, what are the things we need to put in place? What is the knowledge we need to have? What is the finances we need to have? What are the tools we need to have? And then let's just start knocking those things down and begin to move towards it. Uh, in their case, they did some study, they did some research, they did something, then they actually opened a restaurant and did it on the side. So they were working insane hours, <laughs> you know, but they did that for like a year and then it got to the point where it's successful enough. And they're like, okay, now I can quit my, my other thing and just go do this thing that I love. That's an example. Don't hear that and go, okay, that's what I have to do. You know, that's for some people that works well. So it's, it's really just more about, and, and this is again, where sometimes working with somebody else can help because when we're in our own head, we have a tendency to, we want to know all of the steps and all of the answers before we begin. Yeah. And again, part of the truth is you won't, <laughs> you know, and just say that out loud, recognize you're not going to know all the steps. You're not going to know everything that's going to go wrong. You're not going to get know exactly how this journey is going to go. 
So given that, what do I actually you know, need to know? What, what really is the minimum viable product or step? Or what's the next action I can take that moves me in that direction? And then it's just a matter of doing that you know, over and over and over again until you end up where you want to go. For some people, it happens fast. For others, it takes a while. Really interesting conversation. And um, as we're getting to the end of it, well, one thing is uh, talking about uh, doing the the right things and or and getting the most important things done. Um, tell us why people have trouble getting. Um, they manage to not to get not more done, but the right things done. Right. So a lot of what I teach in, in productivity, and I and I'm really deliberate. I use the word productivity, not the word time management. Um, because we we talk about time management as if we're managing time, and it's not the time that we're managing; it's it's ourselves. So a lot of times, what we have a tendency to do is we spend a lot of time and energy on doing the things that, well, quite frankly, they scream the loudest. <laughs> you know, they're they're the most obvious things to do. Email, right? Probably someone right now listening to this has their email tab open on their computer, and they're looking at it going, oh my goodness, I've got, you know, 1,742 unread emails right now. What am I, you know, that kind of thing. Well, we've got to get, we've got to do that. The phone rings. We've got to answer the phone. You know, it's all of those things. So there's actually a, a matrix called the Eisenhower matrix that some people know it's, it's think of it as a four quadrant and it's in the upper right-hand corner. It's things that are urgent and important. Yeah a fire alarm going off, urgent, important, right? Need to deal with this, find out why the fire alarm's going off. Right. On the other top left, our top left side is things that are urgent, but not important. Mm -hmm. Quite frankly, most telephone calls, <laughs> you know, most emails fall into that category, right? They feel yeah. urgent. They feel like, you know, we need to answer it right now. And yet the reality is if you answer that email in an hour, nobody cares. You know, if you answer it in four hours, probably still don't care, um, you know, that kind of thing. And then as you go down to the, the lower right-hand side is things that are important, but not urgent. Mm -hmm. This is things like, oh, date night with your wife. You know, this is things like having a conversation with your kid. This mm -hmm. is things like, you know, though it, it's those things that actually are really important, mm -hmm. but they're not screaming that loud. They're easy to say, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. If you have something on your to-do list that has moved to the next day more than four times, it's probably in that category. Yeah. Okay? It's probably in that category. The lower left is things that are not urgent and not important. This is binging on Netflix and this kind yeah. of stuff. Most of us, believe it or not, don't actually have that big of a problem with that category. The not urgent, not important. Yes, some people watch way too much TV or whatever, but most people aren't too bad about that one. It's that urgent, it's the not urgent but important category that most people miss. So a lot of what we need to do is start figuring out a way to schedule, to plan, to put in place. How can we get that stuff done and stop living under the tyranny of things that are urgent but not important? Saying no to those things so that we can say yes to those other things. Very Fascinating discussion and um, really interesting. Tell us the audience how they can find you, look what look, um, follow you, look at your work, um, visit your website, etc. Sure, absolutely. So I'll actually I have a, a landing page over on my website. If they go to inspiredstewardship.com independence, 
just slash independence. Uh, they'll actually find a page just made just for your listeners. On there, there's a little bit of information. If you want more, some tips on time or some tips on money, there's actually some, you can sign up and get some tips delivered to your in inbox. Same thing for talent. And then there's also a link on there that they can just set up a 30 minute meeting. If anything I've said resonated with you and you'd like to just jump on my calendar, no high pressure, I'm not any of that kind of stuff. We'll just have a chat. And if maybe coaching is something you want to do, we'll talk about what that looks like. And for all the listeners out there, uh, Scott's resources will be in the links and show notes. Be sure to follow him on social media as well as check out his um, free resources. And it was a great discussion. Uh, really enjoyed it. And thanks for coming on to the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week